Social Ventures Australia brings you this podcast from the SVA Quarterly, the leading management publication for the social sector in Australia. COVID-19 has had a massive impact on the social sector, not least in making planning for future service demand extremely challenging. This podcast outlines how using scenarios can help to understand the potential impacts on demand given the many uncertainties, as exemplified in some work that SVA Consulting has done in the Victorian child and family services sector. This podcast is based on an article written by Susie King and myself, Nancy Tran. Using scenarios is an approach that can provide a relatively robust understanding of the impact of COVID-19 on the size and nature of service demand. It can be valuable for organisations considering the ongoing service response, as well as planning for future service delivery. This includes planning for the funding required to meet additional and more complex demand so that services can be better positioned to respond. Many service sectors are likely to require increased investment to support new groups of people impacted by COVID-19. Potentially, there will also be more complex needs across existing clients. In addition, scenarios can provide a strong evidence base in a time of uncertainty to advocate to key funders, including government, for the need to invest in additional capacity. The COVID-19 pandemic has had and continues to have a massive impact on the social sector. It has increased the support needs of many individuals, families and communities, as well as the demand for those supports. It has also challenged service providers to adapt to new models of service delivery. The social and economic impacts of COVID-19 have been felt by us all. However, and unsurprisingly, the most vulnerable in our communities have been the hardest hit. People in low socioeconomic areas and in lower skilled occupations are overrepresented amongst those who have lost their jobs and people on low incomes have been more likely to face increased housing stress. There are also many people who are experiencing vulnerability for the first time. Emergency relief services experienced spikes in demand largely driven by people who had not sought charitable assistance before. In response, many social sector organisations have adapted rapidly to meet the greater need for services, at the same time working through the added complication of social distancing restrictions. And although restrictions have been largely eased, none can be certain that this pandemic is over and there is no doubt that the economic consequences will last much longer. Many of the impacts of COVID-19 will continue to be felt long after the pandemic itself is managed. We know that when employment rates rise sharply in a recession, they take much longer to return to pre-crisis levels. In this context, social sector organisations anticipate demand for services to continue to grow, but at what rate and for which cohorts in what geographies is still highly uncertain. This makes it hard to make informed decisions about how and where to invest resources to strengthen capacity and better meet the needs of existing and new clients. The challenge now for social sector organisations is how to plan for this unknown future so that they're well positioned to respond. Modelling of the possible COVID-19 health trajectories and their potential impacts on the economy has been available from early on in the pandemic. Many analysts developed credible scenarios at the height of the pandemic's uncertainty, modelling different rates of infection and encouraging us all to flatten the curve. There were also predictions on the numbers of jobs lost, unemployment rates 
and the impact of GDP depending on how long shutdown measures might be in place. These scenarios were critical to enable governments, businesses and the community to navigate the pandemic's uncertainty and to make plans should a particular scenario play out. But to date, little attention has been paid to the social impacts of COVID-19, the potential demand for different services and how these impacts might vary under different health and economic scenarios. For social sector organisations, this thinking is critical to enable robust planning for what could be a very large increase in both the need and nature of supports in the future. Early in the pandemic, a team of us at SVA Consulting partnered with Berry Street and the Centre for Excellence in Child and Family Welfare, which I'll call the Centre, to examine these questions in the context of Victoria's child protection system. This system was already under significant pressure from forecast growth and demand prior to COVID. Specifically, Berry Street and the Centre wanted to understand the emerging and future impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on vulnerable families and children. They wanted to get a clearer sense of the potential increase in demand for child protection and out-of-home care in Victoria. The purpose of this analysis was to assist the sector to plan, but also to advocate to government for additional funding needed for early intervention programs. The work built on an earlier report, which had demonstrated the economic case for additional government investment into targeted early intervention programs, which would support more Victorian children to avoid out-of-home care. Using scenario modelling, we drew on a range of data sources to extend projections on the pandemic and economic recovery into scenarios for the impact on vulnerable families, social support services, and as a result, the demand for child protection services. Not surprisingly, we demonstrated that under all scenarios, more families will be in need of support due to COVID-19. We were also able to quantify the additional social and economic benefits of investment in early intervention programs. So, how did we develop the scenarios? Well, given the lack of timely data, including data on how demand for child protection services had been impacted by the pandemic to date, and the many unknowns, we drew on different types of information as inputs to develop a set of future scenarios. Our first step was to understand from research evidence what factors increase the risk of child abuse and neglect within a family, and therefore a child requiring child protection. This then allowed us to assess how COVID-19 had impacted each of these risk factors. We described a set of risk and protective factors at the child and family level that might be affected by the social and environmental impacts of COVID-19, reframing the protective factors as risk factors to reflect the impact of COVID. The next step was to understand how and to what extent COVID-19 was affecting each of these risk factors, which drew on a range of sources. We first looked for any reported indicators to date, of which there were numerous in the media at the time of research in July 2020. We also drew on anecdotal reports from interviews with frontline child and family workers and reviewed reported data about COVID-19 impacts from overseas. We also reviewed data from previous recessions and other economic shocks and events, such as bushfires, to understand how each of these risk factors had been affected. Some of the reported indicators in Australia that we reviewed included, number one, on family conflicts or separation. A survey by Relationships Australia found that people's relationships with their partners had suffered, with 42% of respondents finding isolation had negatively affected their relationship. Number two, on family violence. 
A Monash University survey of Victorian family violence workers found that over half had observed an increase in the frequency and severity of family violence, and 42% reported an increase in first-time family violence reporting by women. Number three, on unemployment. Victoria's unemployment rate rose from 5.2% in March to 7.5% in June. Number four, on mental health. A Monash University study showed that levels of anxiety and depression had risen, with people who lost work due to COVID-19 experiencing rates of psychological distress four times higher than typically seen in working age Australians. Number five, on parental substance abuse. The Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education found that 20% of households had reported buying more alcohol since COVID-19, and of these, 32% were concerned about the amount of alcohol that they or a loved one was consuming. Number six, on housing stress. An ANU study found that the number of Australians who couldn't pay their mortgage or rent on time had more than doubled between April and May. And number seven, ability to meet basic needs. The Salvation Army in Melbourne saw a tripling in demand, with families and people who were newly unemployed among the largest groups served. Anecdotal reports from child and family services workers further highlighted the increased complexity of cases. Families already experiencing vulnerabilities were dealing with additional levels of stress due to changes such as job loss, social isolation, closure of schools and childcare centres, and reduced access to supports. We also drew on available projections and scenarios by other analysts on the possible trajectories of COVID-19 and assessed how the risk and protective factors might be affected. This included forecast unemployment rates by the Reserve Bank of Australia and scenarios put forward by Deloitte Access Economics on the health response and impact and the shape of the economic recovery. Extrapolating from the three scenarios framed by Deloitte, we developed three future scenarios on the potential impact of COVID-19 on vulnerable families and the increased need for child protection services. These scenarios were, scenario one, a case of a constrained pandemic with faster recovery. Scenario two, a case of a more prolonged pandemic with a slower recovery. And scenario three, a scenario of severe rolling pandemics with a much more protracted recovery. The increase in demand for those three scenarios was that in scenario one, demand for child protection would rise by 5% for two years, which would lead to 24,000 children in out-of-home care by 2026. Scenario two with a prolonged pandemic would create a rise of 10% for three years in child protection demand, with 25,000 children projected to be in out-of-home care by 2026. And in the most severe scenario, we would see a rise of 20% for five years in the demand for child protection and potentially 27,500 children in out-of-home care by 2026. The magnitude of the increase in demand under each scenario, 5%, 10% and 20%, were informed by the emerging indicators of a rise in the risk factors and anecdotal reports, rather than through calculations due to the limitations in the data available. And for the duration of the rise in demand, two years, three years and five years, they were based on projections for how long, how long it might take for unemployment rates to return to pre-COVID levels. Having formed these scenarios, we then calculated using the modelling from our earlier research, how COVID-19 might impact the case for additional investment in early intervention. Our earlier cost-benefit analysis was based on a set of assumptions around the extent to which 
evidence-based early intervention programs are able to reduce the risk of a child entering out-of-home care. This then leads to savings for government, as well as improved outcomes for the child and family. The modelling demonstrated that even in the lowest COVID impact scenario, targeted investment in early intervention over a 10-year period would deliver cumulative net savings of $1.79 billion due to the avoided costs of out-of-home care. Most importantly, 1,280 children would avoid entering out-of-home care per year. This would require an annual investment in early intervention programs of $181 million to support 8,000 children per year. A more severe scenario would deliver greater overall savings, assuming more children and families are supported in early intervention. The full report on COVID's impact on families and the potential increase in service demand has strengthened Berry Street and the Centre's advocacy to the Victorian Government. The Centre's CEO, Deb Sabaris, said that this is a landmark report that is going to allow us to tell a story for some time. Our system must be about supporting families and children to thrive, not just survive. The work supports the organisation's call for broader reforms across the sector, shifting towards keeping families together through early intervention. For other sectors, it might be that increased funding is needed to support more clients, more complex client needs, or more flexible service delivery. One thing that we do know is that COVID-19 has had a significant impact on many, particularly those in our community who are most at risk. This will require a thoughtful response on the part of governments, social sector organisations and communities. Go to the article to find links to the reports and also to watch the webinar of the launch of Keeping Families Together Through COVID-19, the strengthened case for early intervention with speakers from the Victorian Aboriginal Child Care Agency, Berry Street and the Centre for Excellence in Child and Family Welfare and SBA. Related podcasts and articles can be found on the SVA Quarterly site, www.socialventures.com.au forward slash SVA hyphen quarterly forward slash. Forward slash.